So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day, hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Welcome back to Drink in the Movies. We're drinking a raspberry tangerine wheat from Hellbent Brewing Company. I like it. How do you I feel do about too. It? It's delightful. Once again, another one of their beers seems to fit our sunny but rainy weather. It just feels kind of like the outside temperament in my mouth. And it's it's a nice, easy, rainy day. And it's a nice, easy, smooth, sweet beer tasty stuff we have new releases to talk about today what do we have on deck we have shirley from josephine decker we have the king of staten island from judd apatow and we have young ahmed from the dardenne brothers but first as always first impressions what are our first impressions of today we've got you should have left followed by lovecraft country I know it's fun, but it's time to sleep. Good night, honey. Jesus, you got enough switches? Does this wall look right to you? What are you doing? 26 feet. 21. This room is five feet longer on the inside than it is on the outside. How does that work? It doesn't. Anything happened yet? Hello. Hello. You chose this place, not me. You sent me the link. I absolutely did not. You sent it to me. Somebody wrote in my journal. Do you like it here? No. Do you? All right, Michael, that was the trailer for You Should Have Left from David Cope. What do you think? Starring Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried, who I both like. Uh, it looks like a solid studio thriller to me. I was pretty intrigued by the trailer uh, from Blumhouse. I didn't realize it was from Blumhouse. I think that's uh, promising for the most part. Um I think the atmosphere looks pretty well constructed. I think it looks suspenseful. I think it looks like it could be fun. What about you? A little bit more restrained than that. Um, this is definitely one of the first movies that is coming out VOD that seems just totally foolish by Bloomhouse. Normally, these are the type of movies they end up making money on in the theater um, through a smart marketing campaign. Um, and I just can't imagine why they would want to VOD it for any good reason. Um, so I'm a little bit skeptical there. Um, but I mean, reteaming someone that looks like Ethan Hawke with Amanda Seyfried is, you know, a, a surefire thing to do. Um, trying to mimic Paul Schrader there. I'm intrigued by it. I will watch it, but I am not expecting good things. I'm expecting to be mixed to slightly positive, And I hope that I don't come out negative on it. Because anytime I see the back of someone's dark hair while they're sitting in a bathtub and then a hand mm. jumps out. I cringe and just wish that that motif would die. It's fair enough. It uh, is unclear to me if it's coming to VOD it's or VOD. VOD. June 19th. I, thought, I don't know why I thought I had heard this is going to uh, SVOD, so I don't think I would necessarily pay $20 to to see it when it comes out. But uh, had it been uh, SVOD, it would have maybe had a better chance. Now I'm not quite so sure. SVOD is like the cheaper. The free stuff. Just, just to Hulu or oh, Prime Video. Yeah, yeah, no, this is paid, paid VOD yeah. release. It does change things a bit. Yes. Um, on to Lovecraft Country. I love stories. Heroes go on adventures in other worlds. To fight insurmountable odds. Stories are like a living thing. My father. He wrote me. We have a secret legacy. 
the birthright that's been kept from us in Lovecraft country. That place, it's not real. You sure? They don't like outsiders at all. I found more than a few stories about travelers being attacked in the surrounding woods. By what? just watched the trailer for Lovecraft Country. I'm actually not quite sure if this is a miniseries or a regular show. Or do you know? I believe it's a regular show based on what I just saw. Normally it says limited series with the prestigious name if it's limited. What do you think? Um, I think that this could be good and I don't get the impression it's going to be by the end. Um, it, I just worry that it, the puzzle box, JJ Abrams syndrome, um, Jordan Peele spread thin. He's producer on a lot of things right now. Um, it certainly has the gloss and the sheen and Jonathan majors who I love and all the promise that you could ask for, but I don't see the payoff, um, in there. I don't see a intriguing through line. And I, I worry about that, but I'm, I'm also all for, you know, redistributing HP Lovecraft's work, um, which was extremely racist and, you know, um, you know, he was like a shut in and fearful of anything that wasn't him. Um, and I believe that he developed that because of his mom and he was agoraphobic and all sorts of things. So it's, it'd be nice to see that presented really well from this totally different perspective, um, but I, I worry that something's going to get lost in the quality sector. Um, how mm. about you? I think I am pretty much with you on this one. If it were a movie, I think I'd maybe be more inclined to check it out. My bar for limited series or shows is just high with lots to watch. I just don't think I'm that excited uh, or excited enough to uh, commit to a uh, whole show about this. Um, you're right. Production value looks high. Um, it looks solidly constructed. I just don't really feel the, the personality or the, you know, idiosyncrasy that I think I just kind of need in a show at this point with so much quote unquote prestige content out there that like, it just is hard to stand out. I don't know that this one really does for me. Yeah. It's almost like cookie cutter prestige content. Yeah. Um, it's just a crowded playing field. So probably will not get to this one personally. Will you give it a go? I might check the pilot out and see if that intrigues me enough, but that's going to depend on limited offerings in the theater and enough bandwidth. We shall see. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as members, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. On to Shirley. To our suffering, my dear. There's not enough scotch in the world for that. <laughs> Shirley, what are you writing now? A little novella. I'm calling none of your goddamn business. <laughs> well, you were invited to stay here for a few days until we can find a place. Shirley has these bouts. She's gone sick in the head. I read your story. What are you doing in here? It made me feel thrillingly horrible. Do you know what it's like to have a secret? This is the second Josephine Decker film that we've talked about on the podcast. We talked about Madeline's Madeline when that came out 
two years ago now, I think, um, which I remember us both being maybe mixed, slightly positive on. Um, does this feel like a step up, a step down, or more of the same for you? It feels like a step up while being more of the same. Um, it's a it's a more full-bodied piece. It clearly um, is a little bit more evolved in the content of the narrative. Um, it's a little bit more uh, genre-centric, so it has a through line based on the genre in which it, it's working that provides a little bit more propulsiveness than we saw in Madeline's Madeline. Um, I think that I, I don't know what capacity it was in, but I believe Sorsese worked as a producer on this film. And I, I think that that's that's always great to see a developing voice have support from someone like him, um, especially in New York. I just didn't love it. Um, I didn't hate it. I'm positively mixed on it, but I, I definitely would have more criticism of it than nice things to say. Um, just conversationally, although that doesn't reflect my actual rating of it, which is uh, roughly between three and three and a half. Oh, a little more. Okay, so about where you were on Madeline's Madeline, I believe. Uh, Madeline's Madeline was more two and a half, three. A little lower. Fair enough. So yeah. definitely a step up. Makes sense. I think I was significantly more positive on it then. Um, I think I like this more than Madeline's Madeline, but I also think that this. Makes me think my taste might have just shifted a little bit because a lot of what we see here is similar craft-wise to how Madeline's Madeline felt. Mm -hmm. I think I might just actually like that movie more were I to go watch it now. Um, but I think the craft here is just super strong um, from the, the editing and the camera work. I think it's really fluid and I really like just kind of the slipperiness of the texture. I think it's a really strong... Uh, work of craft and tone and i think there's a lot of kind of different moods that it's kind of juggling some of which are more uh horror-ish versus other ones that are a little more erotic i think it's really pretty um slick in moving back and forth between these different registers um so yeah i i, I dug it um i think i if anything held me back it's that the craft is so sort of slippery that it might obscure some of the plot dynamics more than it needs to um that's a good word but i, I think the like as a sensory experience as, as sort of a subjective as, as sort of a a, a a means of experiencing these characters in kind of a subjective way is very satisfying and fun um craft wise did it do much for you no not so much <laughs> no I wanted to find a nice way to say that, but no. Um, there, There's some interesting work in the trees, I'll say. Mm. Um, I, I believe it was like a, I guess the word dazzle is, is definitely something that comes to mind. It, she's kind of doing a shaky cam fast movement while other bodies are moving fast. And so the trees are superimposed in multiple positions, as are the bodies as they're running. Uh, I thought that was a very interesting just chunk of visual to experience um but i i don't find myself affected by her direction in ways that i like to be affected by direction i didn't find her party scenes to be smothering i didn't find um the interaction at the end where you find out what shirley had been hiding the whole time from odessa young's character um None of that was, to me, informed by the presentation of the camera. Um, it's like the camera was telling a separate story than the characters were experiencing. And at least on this watch, I didn't find that valuable to my experience. It very well could add a layer that I just wasn't seeing. But I, I didn't mm -hmm. uh, appreciate how the, the content differed from the form, it seemed. And like you said, obscured the the very through line of its own narrative hmm. yeah I, I think i get that uh response i think i liked just how this seems to kind of evoke the kind of writing that shirley jackson wrote not that i'm very familiar with her work i don't think i've ever read anything she wrote but just knowing that she is a horror writer even though this isn't necessarily a horror 
story. I like how this seems to be sort of um, a respectful biopic in a way because it's sort of in the style of a um, story that she might have written. Um, I would agree there is kind of this difference between um, the tone that suggests something like psychological thriller or psychodrama or something like that. And a lot of it's, you know, these people in a house talking about writing a story and their relationship dramas and mm-hmm. something like that. And there is this kind of difference between the, the, the mood that comes about from the camera work and that, and what's actually happening plot wise, but um, how that just seems to sort of uh, evoke what Shirley Jackson was all about. I, I just kind of found interesting, I guess. Yeah. I, I think where we differ there is that first and foremost, I would describe it as a, is a, a picture that is a little bit over stylized and I, I would classify it as a tragedy over every, like I wouldn't call it a horror. I wouldn't call it a draw. Like it's just a tragedy to me. Mm-hmm. It's about a couple that falls apart and you can pick which couple you want. And then those couples switch mm-hmm. at, at a certain point on a, on a bench Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the porch like there's there's all sorts of different ways to read that but to me it's just a tragedy and some of the stylings like I said in the woods were really cool but at some point it just became more style than use of form to deliver content or to make you feel content um, and I, I think that that's the main thing that I didn't like is it, it the camera rarely made me feel and um, this is one of the rare pictures where I actually found Elizabeth Moss to be herself, not to be her character, which was oh, very yeah. disappointing to me. Um, uh, coming off Invisible Man, where she swept me by surprise um, in you know her work in Top of the Lake, where she's just transformative. This was a bit of a step down for me, which I did not expect in a film that is titled after her main character. Yeah, I would completely agree. Elizabeth Moss remains Elizabeth Moss for the entirety of the movie to me. Like, I just don't ever see her entirely slip into this character and disappear into Shirley. I would agree that doesn't happen. If anything, she's angry Peggy for a little bit from Mad Men. I could see that. I think both her and Michael Stuhlbarg are chewing the scenery pretty hard uh some of that's just kind of fun for me even though it is kind of hammy in a way especially relative to the other couple who are a little I, more I found grounded Stuhlbarg chewing much more fun than anyone else yeah there is a scene where he comes home and is like dancing with the uh the oh, younger wife young. yes um and he and dips her and kisses her is singing dancing kissing her yeah like one of the hammier moments you know some of that I, I kind of enjoyed even though it's a little um it's a little much in a way um exactly that the film's a little much in a way but i still found a way to enjoy it yeah um there's a, a point where shirley is describing how this woman who she is taking inspiration from for a character in her story and is describing how this young girl might have felt and says she has something, she feels something like a stabbing nervousness um, after what's happened to her. And I think that's actually a decent way to kind of describe the tone of the movie for me. You're right. It, what, at what transpires is not, is not the stuff of a horror movie, but I think the, um, the mood is very much um, directing us towards some of the same sensations. Um mm especially so you say it is and i say it tried (laughs) fair so that's that's kind of where our drop-off happens is like it got there for you and for me i just always i felt like i was seeing the try but not the actual follow-through like the intention never became the delivery um Hmm. like the the intention was was there 100 for like the first three-fifths of the film but it never continued to build upon itself. It would cut away and try to make something else neuroses filled and scary instead mm. of just building up something in, in a single line, um, which I guess you could say was, you know, her making Paula and Odessa Young's real character. Paula is who Odessa Young is also playing. Who's mm. the other girl, right? character within the story yeah so she's playing two different characters depending on if Shirley's sleeping or not 
Mm. Um, and so you, you could argue that, but I just, um, I think that I'd rather have watched Madeline's Madeline because that actually builds up. I, mm. I might be more positive on it now, to be honest, because after watching this, it's just such a convoluted mess with so many characters. I, there's absolute intention in the screenplay for this many characters, but I think the Madeline's Madeline is more interesting in retrospect because it's just about the graduation of emotion and um, difficulty with life in one character that is very tangible all the way through. And I didn't find that here. Yeah, I mean, I actually kind of like the the messiness of this in a way. Like, I, you're right. I think there is like a more linear kind of progression to the characters in Madeline's Madeline, but sometimes I just find it a little more fun to have some more complicated relationships, like, between Rose and Shirley. Like, it's kind of erotic, it's kind of tense, there's some antagonism, but there's also some solidarity between them as they talk about their philandering husbands. Um, like, I just feel like I would take bold craft that gives me some space to think about how that all maps on to the content versus something that's overly clear in a way. Um, I, I, I kind of like something that's a little uh, messy in a way because uh, it frees you up to kind of um, map stuff onto the content. Yeah. I kind of said the same thing twice. I agree that you do like that. And I agree <laughs> that I often do not like that um, with very few exceptions fair enough um cast we talked about elizabeth moss um but um i really liked odessa young in particular as rose she was new to me um i think i saw she was in assassination nation that's the only other film of hers i was really familiar with but i hadn't seen that Mm. i thought she was really good what'd you think um yeah I'm, i'm interested in her i I don't feel like I got a clear read because she was such a piece of projection. She was very good at that, but her character was essentially just a character that you're mapping onto and you're projecting your understanding of the picture about. She did not really define herself. She had a few scenes where she um, exhibits a strong will to Logan Lehrman, her husband. Um, But she, I, I mean, for a movie that's essentially about these two girls more than anything else. I really didn't learn anything about either of them. And, Mm. um, I, I don't know if that's just the content or if I'm maybe not seeing as much in Odessa as other people. I, I'm interested to see her again. I just, I don't know that, um, that she has it. Mm. Oh, she definitely had it for me. I mean, and, Again, it kind of comes back to how she sort of plays the scenes where different tones are kind of coming together at once. Like even the very first scene where she's reading one of Shirley's short stories and she's talking about a character having been stoned to death. uh, Talking about on a train? Exactly. Yeah, the first scene's on a train. Um, And... You know, it, it, it evokes some morbid imagery and she segues that into uh, a seduction of her husband on the same train. Uh, mm. I think she really pulls off like these different kind of um, moods within this within this character. And, and sometimes she can have this kind of intensity and almost anger towards Shirley and just how easily that can evolve into a kind of eroticism between them is really fun like I still don't know that I can very easily describe the arc she has but you know that's what lets me that's what usually makes it easy to forget about a movie is to very easily be able to describe the arc and then say problem solved Um, I like something that you know forces us to wrestle with it a little bit yeah I just don't have the ability to wrestle with it i don't have anything to wrestle with it's pretty line by line you know she's conflicted um she's embodying her new identity then uh she's only got one friend and is becoming exclusionary um from her own husband her own husband is beginning to exhibit behavior um 
that it worries her where he doesn't want to have sex with her. Um, she begins to become the object of fascination from Shirley, so that attention makes her character shift slightly, then Shirley undermines her relationship with her by saying that she knew that he was cheating on her the whole time and uh, mm. and then she goes and walks in the woods like I don't know I just mm. um, the middle isn't as intriguing to me as a a screenplay it, it just I, I feel like there's a lot missing in the character I, I feel like the character serves the plot but is not a character that lived on the page. Um, and there's nothing wrong with making a film that doesn't have those characters, but um, for the purposes of this conversation, I just really found myself being rubbed the wrong way while watching it um, for that reason. Stuhlbarg, mm. I have the same problem with. Yeah, you, you, you used the phrase line by line, which... I think it's fa a fair characterization of how sort of the middle section unfolds, but I wouldn't use that to describe how the ending plays out, where we're, like, seeing multiple possible kind of outcomes at once. You know, she, the kind of cross-cutting between Rose and her husband driving away in the car, um, and Shirley and Rose on the cliff. In some shots, Rose is there, in some she's not. Like, I feel like that's just kind of a full embrace of ambiguity. I wouldn't describe that part as hmm. line by line. To me, that's... Um, I would say that I don't feel like that ambiguity was earned. I feel like that ambiguity mm. was decided upon mm. and arrived at. Mm. If that makes sense. Like that was just the purpose. And then they shot it there. There was no ambiguity built up to me. The, the sexual ambiguity on, on the porch does not beget the ambiguity at the end. There's something in between that is missing to make the ambiguity matter. It just mm. felt like it was a good project, but it's not a project that is great. Like, it's just not. It's mm. it, There's different tiers. And to me, this is like a tier four, almost tier three project. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not. It's not great. It's just not. And the reason for that, I think, more than anything else is the screenplay, which really means that I think Josephine Decker isn't a bad director which I guess I didn't know until this conversation. Yeah, uh, I think the ambiguity definitely had significance for me because even during the middle section, when we're getting all these echoes between the character Shirley's trying to write a story about and Rose's own experience and the way that those are kind of um, resembling each other or kind of spilling over into each other in one way or another, that all just seems to be stirring the pot for a ambiguous finish. I definitely felt like it was building towards something that was a little open in its, uh, you know, room for interpretation, I guess. Um, so different response, I suppose, to whether or not it was leading and to that point and earned. But well, I, I think we both agree it was leading to that point. We just disagree about how effective that would be. Correct. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite scene in this picture? Um, what was my favorite scene? I do. You alluded to the sequences sequences in the woods. I did like those quite a bit. I thought those were intriguing. Um, I actually like some of the really brief moments where Rose is walking through campus and she sees these little groups of girls that are sort of in brightly colored clothes, those kind of dancing. Those performance art piece girls. <laughs> yeah, that certainly um, feels like a callback to Madeline's Madeline in a way. Um, but just as this sort of like symbol of the temptation that is awaiting her husband on campus and that she doesn't even really quite recognize it as that just yet, even though it's kind of right there in front of her, um, these seductive, erotic women. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. So I'll go with those moments. What about you? Um, I don't feel really confident, but I think that the scene that I'm most drawn back to um, is the confrontation at the dinner party between Shirley and the president of the university who her husband is sleeping with. 
and um, that she spills wine on the couch, and there's just this whole fun fight scene. That's one of the mm-hmm. only I scenes that I just feel like is fun in mm. in the movie. So I I would say that. Good pick. Um, on to Judd Apatow's The King of Staten Island. I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Don't be. It's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're going to have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break. Probably the first Judd Apatow movie we've ever talked about on the podcast. A hundred percent. You are not easy to get to watch a comedy. I feel like real solid comedies are hard to come by these days. They are rare. Uh, How'd you feel about this one? I'd say that if you remove the word real, that defines this picture. It's, It's a solid comedy. It's not real solid, but it's solid enough. It's fine. It's um, it's not bad. I think I would agree with you. I thought it was fine. Uh, not terribly excited about it. Uh, I think it was weaker than I expected it to be. Not quite as funny as I thought it would be. Uh, I did like Pete Davidson a little more than I assumed I would in this role. Um, I was a little surprised by just uh, how not so funny it was. Uh, did you get many laughs from it? No, it was really just a drama. Yeah, I would agree. And it wasn't like good. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't mm. good. You know, this is 40 is a good drama. That's like funny from Judd Apatow. So it, that's a very personal film. And this is not a personal film. It's personal to Pete and that's fine. But it just, yeah, very mixed, not negative, more slightly positive marissa tomei's performance was pretty great uh the kid actors i thought did a really good job um pete's moments with pamela adlin were more interesting than anything else in the film which was weird um, she the ex-wife yeah um bill Burr had a movie role and he didn't do bad and that's exciting but um yeah in general i not the most to passion for this project so let's uh i don't know do you have an angle to start a conversation about it (laughs) well i I guess just story wise uh you know there's this idea that he is uh this uh slacker type who's sort of short on taking initiative in his life Mm -hmm. and it's kind of about this uh grief that he still has over having lost his dad at a at a young age and um He's sort of intimidated in a way by the legacy his dad has left as this heroic firefighter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess the takeaway for me, just to be reductive about it, is that as he comes to meet these other firefighters, um, they help to kind of demythologize his dad for him in a way, kind of bring him down to earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of helps with some acceptance in a way. And that sort of, at least the implication is that he's sort of emboldened to step out into the world in a way and, you know, take risks where he was previously afraid of not filling, not being able to fill his father's shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, It all kind of makes sense. I just don't think it's that moving or that interesting or that complex. It's just fine. What if I told you it was based on a true story and it was Pete's real dad? Then, then I believe that, you know, extra textual stuff can, can certainly make a difference. And I do think that's why, to the extent that it works, it, it does feel uh, heartfelt and like it's done with a lot of conviction, but not with a lot of complexity. No, or, it, it's, a, 
it's an exercise of catharsis that isn't bad, but it's not special. It's not revelatory. It's not showing me that Pete Davidson is the next Adam Sandler. It's not mm. showing me that Judd Apatow can hit it out of the park. It's not showing me a great drama. It's not showing me a great comedy. It's just showing me a fine picture that isn't bad, that is a solid work of catharsis that I'm not going to say is a bad thing to do. But it, I, I mean, at some level you want a picture to be good and it's, it's just not that good. Like it, it doesn't do that. It has Steve Buscemi for God's sakes. And he's like one of the best parts and he's got mm-hmm. like maybe four minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a lot of emptiness. Um, I will say as you called for bell Powley was fantastic. Very good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely lovely. Um, but as a picture, just, eh, just, eh, yeah, uh, it's long. I think it's like two hours and 20 minutes or just under that. Uh, I think it repeats and kind of recycles some bits that are just either not that funny or even a little corny. You know, he is an aspiring tattoo artist and there's sort of this repeated gag that he is very hit and miss. I think that joke just got a little stale. Um, oh, it just was not funny. Yeah. When, when uh, was it funny for you? I guess I thought... The buddy of his, Igor, who was always sort of the pushover and let Scott practice on him, that idea was kind of funny. I don't think much of the tattoos themselves got any funnier or Mm. or were any funnier the third, fourth, fifth time around. Yeah, the funniest tattoo scene for me is the early one in the woods with the little boy. Yeah, yeah. And that's just the irony of the idea that he doesn't know how old the little kid is. Yeah. And, And then you're like exhausted with his... With, with just his entire personage as a character. Um, yeah. That got quite grating. And I, I was very glad when he, like, shifted and, and started to, you know, get authorship or, or have some authority to himself and, and become autonomous. But uh, it's like a lesson movie. It's also a catharsis movie. It's a drama. It's trying to be a comedy. And it just doesn't really do anything great. Um, but it does everything competently and it's good enough that um, I, I can't say that it's bad, but I also feel like it deserves a lot of criticism for just like not doing anything. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's like four times we watch some firefighters like dump a bucket of water on Pete Davidson or spray him with the fire hose. You know, it's just kind of that. It's a it's the kind of bit that's both corny and not that funny at the same time, and it does it but multiple times. But that's because times. it's in this movie, right? Like if you watch that same thing in, um, God, what's Tacoma FD? I want to say. Um, I don't think you know what that is. It's a it's a TV show about Tacoma firefighters uh, from mm. the team that did um, the the cop show in Canada, Super Troopers. Mm. Um, and so, like, if, if they did it in in their TV show as, like, the opening scene, it would be funny and, like, set the stage for comedy. But here, it's, it's very much too little, too late, not even a comedy at all, more about a bonding brotherhood thing. Yeah, kind of an initiation uh, practice or something. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, and I mean this negatively, it's a mixed genre. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of movies that are mixed genre that are great. Um, this is a mixed genre that loses its pulse because of it. But maybe that's what allows it to be catharsis for Pete. And, you know, you can't hate someone getting their passion project made and feeling better for it. But if you're just looking at it as, as a piece of art and in the marketplace, it's not that good. Yeah. Um, and while it's heartfelt, it just feel like it, kind of lacked in guts to me like the opening scene is of pete davidson's character contemplating killing himself on the highway and, and that never comes back we really don't get to any you know depth of emotion that would suggest to me he is really in a state of and he's mind supposed to be like that. scared like i i have to imagine there were scenes that they just cut out because it didn't test well with audiences or something that further explored the suicidal tendencies because they're 
that is such a weird way to open and never pay off. Right. Like Ladybird opens with something in the same I- mm. scope of idea, but it's not a suicidal act. It's an act of, of rebellion. And then the picture goes mm-hmm. on to show off that rebellion. That was an act of like willful psychological disturbance that mm-hmm. never gets paid off other than a brief conversation with Bell Powley um, in which he says words that allude to that, but don't have any real depth of meaning. Yeah. It definitely hints at like, a movie that this could have been that it decided to not be. Yeah. Uh, and, and it opted for much lighter fare, which just feels uh, just short on nuance. I just, there's just not that much to this character in my opinion. Um, and I just don't find, I don't find the relationships that interesting, right? Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Fine. I liked him, but uh, I just, I don't think there's that much to that relationship. Um, no, the most interesting relationship ones is Pamela Adlin and Pete Davidson. Like that's when it was like, are they gonna are they gonna bang? Like what's I really what's thought going that on? was a possibility. I thought so too, <laughs> and that was like one of the most intriguing parts of the film. And boy, I I mean, the more I think and talk about it, the more I don't feel that positive about it. It's one of those ones. Mm. Where, like, as long as you don't bring it up or think about it anymore, it was fine. But the more you talk about it, the more you go from mixed to maybe negative. Yeah, uh, which I I kind of feel is a bummer. Like, this is the kind of movie that I kind of want to succeed. Something original uh, that does have some meaningful things on its mind, but with comedy as well. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't really amount to much, which I think it's just kind of disappointing. Yeah, this, this really reminds me of, like, a Richard Linklater movie that does poorly, but unlike a Richard Linklater movie, it doesn't actually wear its heart on its sleeves and like go hard for a point or like a perspective or a character. It just kind of mishmashes it all. And like a a warm hearted ending type of a way. Um, Instead of really just swinging for the fences and trying something that feels honest to the director. Yeah. Uh, it is weird at times, sort of the the directions it goes and, and some of the things that just kind of feel a little out of place but are almost kind of fun because they're sort of surprising, like the uh, scene where Davidson's character and his friends are robbing a pharmacy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of surprised that that was even there. There's the scene where a guy stumbles up to Pete Davidson at the fire department with a gunshot wound in his stomach. And now that just, it just felt like a little bit of a departure from like the, the tone otherwise. I mean, that, that scene could have been, could have like delivered the goods and then it just became plot. Like if, if you would have just let him handle the whole thing the whole time, it would have been so much more interesting, but instead they stitched together the cookie cutter happy ending plot so that marissa tomei can french kiss bill burr and pete can make a face and it's just it's you know it would have been so much more interesting if she was off shift and Mm -hmm. bill burr was in the middle of doing something so he couldn't come and so he had to handle the whole situation by himself um and that would actually show growth and development which is what we're supposed to be looking for in this film that's supposed to be the point um but like bell powley i feel like I can't trust that he actually grew up or him. Yeah, that is a fair point. Like the extent to which it's even that convincing of a transformation. If we'll, if we even use that word is a fair question. Um, And yeah, you're right. Like I was intrigued to see where that scene was going to go, where the guy with the gunshot wound stumbles up to him. And it's just a roundabout way to keep the plot going. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's weird. Uh, and again, the kind of thing that makes this a long movie in a way that it did not have to be. Tight is not a word I would use to describe this in any way. No, it's slow and loose. Not fast and loose. It's slow <laughs> and loose. It's it's plodding. You have no idea that Marissa Tomei is going to not only get together with Bilber, but stop being with him for an extended period of time because she's mad at him. And then eventually get back. Like, it's just needless. That's not the, like, yeah, I don't know. Not a good screenplay. I don't know that I have that much more. Do you have any uh, favorite moments or things you did like or f- things that you found funny? 
the little girl and Pamela Adlin and Steve Buscemi. Highlights. Yep. Um, I'm going to be real mean to you. Mm. What's your favorite scene, Michael? There was one bit that I thought was pretty funny, which is after the guys have gone to jail and we learned that his buddy, Igor, his online girlfriend, is actually real. That actually did surprise me. And I did think that was kind of a funny little twist Um, in a movie where I thought laughs were lacking. I was amused by that twist. I wish that I could have been on that ride with you. My face proceeded to hit my palm uh, on that cue. Um, if I had to do the same thing, it would be the dramatic turn at the restaurant when Bao Pauli's trying to make Pete jealous. The confrontation in the hallway was, I think, the best piece of dramatic acting in the entire film. Mm. And so I would say Bell Pauli's scene in, in the restaurant in confrontation to Pete, um, that would be my choice. Let's leave it at that. On to our agreed-upon most positive movie between us, Young Ahmed from the Dardenne Brothers. Il y a un mois, t'étais tout le temps à jouer à la PlayStation avec Karim. T'as enlevé tous les posters de ta chambre. Tu serais d'accord qu'on discute du Coran une fois par semaine tous les deux Je peux pas lire le Coran avec une femme. Tu préfères le lire avec un imam qui est un menteur C'est pas un menteur. Si, c'est non, c'est un menteur, Ahmed. Ahmed Le mieux, c'est que je te conduise tout de suite à la police pour pas qu'il puisse dire que c'est la mosquée qui t'a caché. Ils vont m'enfermer longtemps. Non. T'es trop jeune. Peut-être un mois ou deux. Alright, Michael, you brought this movie up last week to me. Just, like, this is on VOD. We missed it. You want to watch it? And I was quite skeptical. Didn't know. Very, very glad that you found out about it. Very glad you strong-armed me into it. This is easily one of the best movies of the year by far um it's a non-judgmental piece about a boy who has an imam who gets him onto a particular brand or belief system within the muslim faith um that is radical and involves um how to treat apostates how to treat women um that is really really negative and socially backwards um in a lot of ways and how that clashes with modern contemporary french life and i just absolutely loved this picture yeah i think this is one that got a little shafted by coronavirus back when we did our dardens episode at the time i think it was scheduled to come out in Seattle, at least at the art houses, like a couple weeks later, and that obviously did not happen. So this uh, quietly dropped on VOD, and yeah, we stumbled on it. And I'm with you. I'm actually quite positive on it, which I gather that it has gotten a quite lukewarm response. Uh, at I least. believe it's been very mixed. I believe there's just as many four and a halves as there is halves and ones. Yeah, uh, I am quite positive on it. It, do, it it does not feel like a top tier Dardenne's movie to me I think there is something about just sort of the narrowness of the scope I think that makes it feel just a little smaller hmm. in a way um you know this is a very tightly focused movie on one particular character and when I think about something like the kid with the bike or the child you know there are some relationships that are so meaningful and there's maybe just something about um how we don't get quite as much about how this kid relates to his parents, how he relates to the teacher he so badly wants to stab, mm-hmm. um, that just makes it feel maybe a little smaller to me. Um, mm. But um, but I like it. I, I think it that with that narrowness of in scope comes just kind of a tightness and efficiency that's really direct and really empathetic. I was really surprised to see some people say that they thought this was one that lacked empathy and that sort of just baffles me a little bit i felt i felt this I exuded a lot of did empathy. not watch the same movie that they did um i i would actually like pretty strongly but not in a mean way disagree with you to me this movie is so broad that by making it this narrow it, it can achieve being a film right like this is very broad this is islam and 
the radical beliefs that are in it or the, the radical hadiths or, or whatever you want to pick radical imams and how those fit in contemporary life specifically in western culture and instead of an expository screenplay on that it's just about one young boy who lost his father and has learning disabilities that has a paternal um relationship with an imam and that fellow is teaching him a radical version of islam in which he starts calling his sister a slut for dressing like a normal french girl he calls his mother an offensive word in arabic um that means like drunk and i believe it also means whore like a drunken whore um and that's why she gets so upset and i i don't know it's just so tight and it's so well rooted in this small area that I believe that that was his teacher. I believe her emotional breakdown. I believe that his counselor really wants to take care of him um, and help him grow and mature. And the psychologist really wants to see that and that he kind of does too, but he's young and he's still mixed up. Like it's just so complex, but it's tight enough to let the complexity just live. And Mm. if it was bigger, I don't, I just don't see how you could make something like this big um, or, or more broad and examine more relationships and still maintain the same balance of a boy who's simultaneously sorry, but also mm. wanting to stab her. Mm. That's just such a tight rope that I, for me, this is a top five Darden, I think. Yeah, I mean, I like everything you're saying, and I will not dig in any further after this because I am positive on it overall but you said you know it's about a kid who loses his father like I don't know that there's really that much here about that absence to me Um, like I think that is certainly a justification it offers for why he might have sought out something um, to sort of fill Hmm. a void I guess but you know to me it's different from something like the child the kid with the bike the child with the bike where uh, that little boy gets to know with that drug dealer and we see that kind of paternal relationship developing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here I would say it, you know, it's about a radicalized kid who wants to stab his teacher. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of the, the plot and there are um, element kind of adjacent elements that help kind of illuminate things. But I just feel like there's not quite as much meat to those ad- adjacencies, if that's a word versus the other movies. Um, but I'll stop there because I like it. That's just trying to explain this, the, yeah, I, the size thing. I, I feel I don't. I just don't see it that way. That's very interesting. That that's how you see it. Um, I can't say that like that's wrong or anything. But like as soon as the dynamite drops that his cousin died doing something radical, that his dad is dead. That's I think those were pretty back to back revelations. And then um, you know you you hear that she's going to teach contemporary Arabic. And then she has a Jewish boyfriend and then he makes the choice to stab her. Um, that just really, yeah, I think, was all part of the same thing in the way that the film was presented to me. I mean, they didn't spend a bunch of time focusing on it, but they didn't need to because that wasn't the point. That's the passive point. That's in the screenplay. That's who the character is. The The young boy, Ahmed, is the boy that lost his father, is the boy that lost his cousin is the boy that has a learning disability that this woman helped him with and is now, you know, filled with testosterone, a teenager and, you know, believing in things because he doesn't know any better. And this is someone who gives him masculine attention that is paternal and valuable to him um, and non-replicable from other people. It's just, it's so nuanced, but it doesn't hold your hand along, which it just seems so smart to me as a picture it's just such a smart picture and it's so um empathetic and non-judgmental about something that normally is presented very very especially in america um judgmentally and negative yeah um you know i i think i i understand the complaint some people might have that it doesn't get into enough about how exactly he got um, this extreme, this fanatical, like he is completely single-mindedly focused on this. Um, I think I kind of get that complaint at the same time. The movie kind of just feels so upfront in the sense that it's about 
his resistance to being unradicalized rather than the process by which he was radicalized. Like, it's all kind of yeah, about I mean, what happens after that. Yeah, if you want to learn about that. how people get radicalized, there's endless pieces on it. I would say go look up Caliphate by uh, Rukmini Kalichi. Kal- oh, the uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah like... Yeah. like there's so much smart work that that's nuanced. Go look into Majinawa's story. Like that, this is just something that happens in contemporary Muslim families, and mm. I think it, it's nice to see a picture that handles that without being mean. Yeah, I I, I felt it empathizing with just the intractability of these beliefs, and I was just struck by like you know how kind a lot of the people in this movie are to him and how there it feels like there's hope in how many people are 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 trying to help him whether it's the people at this institution he's at i don't really know if it's like a prison for kids or a rehab center it's i got the impression uh, it was more of of a rehab center that is for kids that are committing harm to themselves or others yeah prison's not the right word just like a uh uh yeah a rehab center of, of some kind you know that he has tussles with them with with uh, supervisors there physically, um, it's uh, he, he has a walk in the courtyard with the psychologist who's trying to help him sort of put himself in the shoes of his target. Um, you know, just the way people are trying to kind of get through to him and sort of the the struggle to do so. I think is where this movie is just so sad to me to to watch this kid be so r- resistant to. Um, outside thought having yeah, but it, having isn't it simultaneously so translatable those specific mm-hmm. points like can't you say the same thing about someone in asia or north america or south america like if you just remove the religion and it's this boy who you know has dumb ideas that were taught to him by someone who the parents didn't want him to learn from mm-hmm. and this is what's happening and you know he's he's trying to be two things and, and, you know, he's a complex teenager that just, to me, that's a story about humans and which is why the screenplay or the movie special is it's a human story, not a story about, you know, this is the problem with radical Islam or what it's just mm. about. This is a boy and this is how this can happen. Yeah. Um, I think I'm with you there. Um, it does. I I think to some extent I can I can substitute some other experiences in here. It it also seems like I don't know radical Islam does seem like a very specific kind of of it of intense experience for a young person. I mm-hmm. maybe with some hesitation can kind of swap this experience out for other kinds. But I I think I see what you're what you're getting at. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you grew up say in like a a cartel area, and or if you grew up in the twenties in the mafia area, you you know, like you just get brought into these different cultures that are militant and have certain customs and certain ideas and believe certain sentences are how you should behave as if they're law. And I, I think that that's just something that's really mappable in a human way. And when I, when I watch young Ahmed, I don't see something that's different. I see something that's just like me. And it's, it's, it's like equally heartbreaking to me as it would be to anyone else who could watch it, I think. And Mm. that's, what's really cool about it as a work, because most work that you see about this topic is very exclusionary. It's not something where you can easily put yourself in that person's shoes. And this is one of the first forms where I've been like, oh yeah, I know, I, I know that anyone could have been this kid in a different set of circumstances. Yeah. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. I had something I was about to say. Oh, yeah. I I think part of what I get out of it is just in the title itself, which is young Ahmed. Like, it's partly about how young he is and how impressionable, you know, Mm -hmm. people, how kids are, um, at a young age and just kind of that susceptibility to, um belief and 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 different kinds of thinking and the sadness in having to try to unwind that once it's gotten ingrained i think um is where this movie that's what this movie is empathizing with um yeah i love his time on the farm so like oh yeah right because you're you're seeing him develop and become confident and and work with his body and build this relationship with this girl who's 
technically an apostate to him um, because she's denied the faith at a certain point in the film when he asks her. Um, And just seeing that duality that he builds on the farm where he does become just like his teacher. He wants to have a romantic relationship with someone who is not someone that you're supposed to if you're from this culture. And so seeing him go on that slippery slope of realizing how quickly the ideas that you think you have that are good are bad um, in the setting of the farm and behaving that way it was just very textually rich to me like there's very little there but there's everything there yeah it's it's like a a a really light kind of tension where i kept kind of thinking he was maybe gonna like give an inch a little bit in 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 his in his uh fanaticism like he was finally gonna just crack a little bit um i I do think those are kind of right yeah yeah essentially then he kind of bounces back and he's kind of shocked at himself yeah Um, but I, yeah. I mean, who if that kept going and he didn't die, then who knows, you know, how much eventually if he would have bounced out of that. Um, but that does lead us to the kid with the bike similarity in which at the end, young Ahmed uh, grabs out a, um, I guess you would call it like a brass or steel knife that is hanging a planter that is in the wall and he puts it in his pocket and begins climbing to go kill his teacher uh after he's escaped from the rehab youth center whatever you want to call it and he falls and appears to suffer massive internal injuries and is i can only assume internally bleeding out as he's the, hurt as the film fades yeah, the second he fell, I was surprised, and I was like, "How did I not see this coming?" But uh, <laughs> as soon as he started climbing, I was like, "Oh, they're gonna fucking kill him this time." <laughs> like, we're not kidding around now. <laughs> they didn't kill the kid with the bike, but th- that kid had learned his mm. lesson already. Yeah, uh, and 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 in that moment, he finally just relents and he forgives. Was it convincing for you? Very, very. Yeah, I think that anytime. I'm convinced by a story already when a character is dying and they say something, if it's well acted, it feels sincere. And that felt sincere. He wasn't trying to get her closer to stab her. He was (laughs) dying and realized how that like this act of dying right now was clearly not worth whatever idea I thought I had. Yeah, I I completely agree. It worked for me. It's like, I I totally get someone who would roll their eyes at the uh, same kind of, fall we've seen multiple times now but again it got me i don't know how they keep doing this to me but uh it it worked and i think it is convincing just the idea of uh the familiarity with what he was trying to inflict on this person you know having this kind of fast immediate um awakening that's too strong of a word but just for lack of a better one i think i think it does work um and again it's it's empathy for his pain in that moment yeah, I think it's all that. And it's also everything that it it's it feels like a payoff that's silent to everything before that when he he did apologize to his mother. And, you know, you see this boy being a sweet boy and getting up and getting his mom a tissue while she's crying. Conversely, you see him sharpening a toothbrush on his cell floor to stab his old tutor with. So you know he's a complex character i feel like everything is paid off by the end and it's just such a um a smart screenplay that doesn't force anything and respects the viewer to infer and um in a a year that's been very mediocre so far this has Mm. really stood out for me as a piece yeah and craft wise you know it is unmistakably a Darden mm-hmm. movies like you recognize it right away I was maybe, handheld and, and fun yeah uh I was maybe particularly impressed I guess with the editing and just how sort of efficient the editing is like right when he's right after he's tried to stab his teacher and he's talking to his his imam and his imam says you'll only be put away for one to two months or something like that we cut from that scene to him 
in the institution and like already kind of familiar with the the routine there like that's a big jump mm-hmm. um you can only imagine like what what was in between those two moments and yet like i totally went with it this thing just moves um i think just the the, the economy of it is uh very expert no that's a great point and that that speaks to me to the screenplay and like how you're so invested and so bought in that you don't need to be explained the process of being tried in a french jury system or judge system and how he ends up where he ends up you're just like we're here what's Mm -hmm. happening yeah um yeah i can't say enough good things about this film i think everybody should watch it um it's streaming i think for rental on almost every platform yeah um do you have anything else you want to go over or favorite scenes do you have a favorite scene start with you oh 100 percent. i mean um give me a moment i was not expecting to answer this this quickly and cut to my favorite scene is a very simple scene in which he is controlling the great to get the um i i believe it is grain out of the silo um and they're just holding a tub and he's adjusting the grain open and closed and they um the the farmer tells him to open it a little bit more um to speed things up and then he closes it and brings it over to the trailer with the girl and just that that entire action is not only well directed but it's it's a piece that doesn't hit you over the head that shows him physically embodying someone who's tolerant and the ambiguity that brings to the picture that it brings to the character is so intriguing passively that i i think it just really speaks to a larger portion about the film that just makes it a a very high quality picture good pick yeah i mean most of the farm scenes are 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 pretty compelling i think that actress that young actress is just just has it Mm -hmm. um i feel a little phony picking this scene because i can't even remember exactly the nature of the conversation but it's after she's tried to kiss him and he like comes to her room and is asking her to maybe i think he's asking her to convert right that's exactly what he's asking her And, and after that i believe once you refuse to convert you become an apostate yeah and uh just just kind of her presence there it's i feel like that performance is all in her eyes her just watching this 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 boy ask her to to do this and say no i wish i could remember it more well, she, specifically she what asks, she says and if i don't yeah yeah uh i don't i don't know that that performance no, is just if instantly. i don't you won't love me or, or something like that you won't like me anymore and and he says something to the effect of like he can't um, and mm-hmm. she's just, she just finds it so preposterous that she storms past him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great scene. That's a fantastic scene. Yeah, maybe something about us really kind of seeing this through her eyes there where she's recognizing just how fanatic he is about this. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's good. She yeah. is. It's a lovely film. Um, yeah, that was new releases. We'll do some more next week, huh? That's right. We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! That's another one in the can.